0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie Merch. I'm Stephanie Hansen. And it is the weather report. A gorgeous day! Yes! Today is the day. Today is the day when it all cracks open. This month is insane. I said today stuff.
1: is like the start of all the things.
0: Yeah. Not only for the weather, because it's gorgeous, you're going to be outside, but because it's Cinco de Mayo, it's the Kentucky Derby, it's the May the 4th Be With You, it's, there's so many things. The May Day Parade. The May Day Parade. I mean, my the God. anarchist,
1: annual anarchist tradition. Kurt yeah. and I may go just to, to watch the kids the, in hummingbird costumes with water guns representing pesticides.
0: Oh, very nice. I didn't know that.
1: Oh, it's very um very uh anti-establishment. Yeah,
0: it's fight the power. Yep. What's uh where is the May Day parade? Uh Powderhorn Park, I okay. believe.
1: All right. I'm not 100% sure, so don't go on my directions. <laughs> per normal,
0: I'm always in the general vicinity, not exactly spot on. Got it. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Um well, there is yeah, there's like, you know, as far as it being the beginning of sort of May happens to be in my mind, the perfect month for kind of events and social activities because it's warm enough out. People are wanting to get, you know, cut loose. You don't have to worry about snow and kind of blizzards. There's no bugs, you know, yet, mostly. Yep. And it's, uh, but there's still, you know, it's not like vacation time because as soon as school lets out, everyone starts to go on vacations. So this is why there's so many things going on in the Twin Cities right now, I think.
1: Yeah, it's and it's a fun time if you get the good weather Everybody just wants to be outside, right? Yeah. Getting out in their yard. And I saw two ladies sitting on their Adirondack chairs in the middle of their yard with their glass of white wine yesterday yeah. on Summit Avenue. Yeah. The flowers are coming up. Yeah, the dogs of- are even like, oh my gosh, Every really smell, all, smell all the people, smell all the people. Yeah. It's very exciting. They've been like stuck dog. inside.
0: I love it. Uh, and speaking of like summer festivals, uh, <laughs> apparently, Grand old Day,
1: is back on, I think Melvin Carter listens to the you weekly think, dish. Stephanie, I think
0: there's a possibility that someone may have pointed it up to him. <laughs> hey, Melvin. I just don't think he's sitting here with his cup of coffee this morning going, What are the ladies talking about today? You just never know, you don't know, but you never know. So, he so basically, what happened? They basically said it's back on. I mean, yes. like the same um, thing that was gonna be.
1: Yes, they got together apparently as a business association, and Melvin Carter did attend the meeting to give him his props. Um, and they had some angel investor that came to the table with some money. okay They decided to keep on with the advanced wristband sales, and they were able to generate seventy five thousand of the hundred and fifty supposedly that it takes to put it on yeah, um, I'm sure some of the bars contributed to that 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 was a gigantic day of profit for most of them, yeah and you know, they were trying to do it on their own. And, and this was all spurred on by Grand Old Day anyway. Two community citizens that lived in the area. One happened to be the Ashley LeMay, the daughter of the Tavern on Grand owner, that just was like, well, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And they started out and they were starting to plan it, at the folks at the Lex. And so it's all coming back together as one thing.
0: So, okay, because I was going to say, so the 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 bar crawl with no that'll still be happening. You'll still be
1: able to get your t shirt. You'll still be able to get into the bars and get your free summer and your four dollars. That'll just
0: be a separate little yeah kind of 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 happening concurrently. Okay. Yep. All right. Um.
1: So hopefully the in the meantime the business association will get a new executive director. Yeah. And start to make some plans for. You know, again, maybe it's time to do something different. I'm not saying it's not right. My biggest gripe was just the uh, the way the whole thing was handled, and in in looking back on it, you know, the interim president, she's just she's a lady who owns a chiropractic business, and she's part of her neighborhood Look, business association, right. and probably not schooled in how to deal with the loss of a hundred thousand person event.
0: Uh, yeah, and I think that you know when you consider the. Uh, when, because we're from, we have behind the scenes knowledge and we know how things work. Yeah. And we've put on events and we've been a part of events from the detail side. And we know it's not easy. So I, you know, what's
1: interesting? There's an actual article in the paper today, uh, the Star Tribune, about the Mayday parade and how their Heart of the Beast is trying to figure out if they can continue yeah. on with that. Yeah. Dara wrote a great blog about it. There's another article about, um, the Northern Spark director stepping down after 10 years. Oh, really? And not necessarily facing funding challenges, but generally the whole tide of these community-oriented arts organizations or artist-driven events, like Stone Arch is another one, like there's a million of them. The Art Shanty Project had a very difficult time with funding and didn't do it this year. All of these events are culminating in a lack of funding and maybe it's time to sort of relook at how we do all this, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, sponsors are looking for pairs of eyes and maybe we put events together or like if you sponsor this, you get these other two events. Maybe it's more holistic. I don't know, but it's the a, simply corporate yeah. driven sponsor model maybe doesn't work when you're dealing with a bunch of volunteers that have to restart it every year.
0: Yeah. Well, and also, you know, this is the other side of it, too, where it's like, you know, a lot of people are we're I'm working with a couple different charitable food, hunger relief organizations uh-huh. and trying to get people to um, show up for these these charity events. You know the restaurants and stuff, and it's just the minimum wage situation is terrifying. And they're all like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this again next year because our profit margin is going to be so much tighter And then I can't pay these people to be here to help with this event. So what is that going to do to things? Um, I'm going to talk
1: about this a little bit later, but I was able to podcast with a lot of people um, and record their interviews for the Women's Chef Conference. And one of the women I interviewed was from um, Nation's Restaurant News. And they have records going back like 100 years of interviews. And one of the things she said is that the gripe of the like profit margin and not being able to make money... She said what was one of the most interesting things to her in looking at the archives is that has stayed the same throughout the decades. And so she's like, I don't know if this will be the tipping point and change it. I just know that, like anecdotally, that has been the well, mantra of the restaurant tour for the last hundred years.
0: Well, let's be clear. There's not a huge money making profit situation. And that's why. I think that that is the the case where it's like there's no. That's the underlying threat. is it's never been a is super that profitable it's, no, business. It's never. That would make sense. Yeah, that's the thing is like when you compare the profit margins on restaurants to other things, it's ridiculous. You wonder why anybody goes into the business, and so that's why it's sort of like it's a weird glamour proposition. Because what is like uh is there a baseline like? I mean, ten percent, four percent. I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I don't want to assign a number that I don't know, and that I don't want to give it a false knowledge piece, but. I, I know that it's it's nothing compared to like the margins on, you know, other businesses. And um, <clears throat> I think that it's funny, though, because everyone it's again, it's that thing where they think that because they get talked about or because it's a fascination piece, you know, the a little bits of fame that they get uh, that it must be. It's like people who see me on TV and say I must be at making millions of dollars. Here's what they what Google says um, that the average profit margin is anywhere from 0 to
1: 15%, but the most common fall between 3 and 5%. Yeah. So if you think about a wage increase, that's a couple percentage points. Yeah. There's your profit margin, There's your so profit that makes margin. sense.
0: So, and it's a lot of restaurants when we're talking about it, we're talking about small businesses. We're talking about one guy who owns a restaurant, two guys, we get all caught up in like, you know, awards and stuff and crazy things like that. But remember, it's like usually a couple people, they own a restaurant. It's like the same thing as if a person owns a dry cleanership. You know what I mean? Like, but we don't equate that for some reason. It's a different
1: thing. Here's what is interesting just for context. Yep. The average S&P 500 company profit margin is 8%. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah, the That's difference. a huge just, difference. Just interesting. Yeah.
0: So anyway, just remembering those things. Um, I, I kind of want to let you guys know, switching gears a little bit, that on the Facebook page, I put up a pretty good fun question. I saw this hashtag on Twitter. The hashtag my cookbook name is. Have you seen this yet? No. Okay. So basically... Uh, <laughs> it's like people started doing this this last week, and it was hilarious. It's like, what what would your cookbook name be if you actually cook the way you eat? You know, if you wrote a cookbook for the way you actually eat. So it was like, you know how to make IG mush, you know, and just wrap it in bacon, things like That's that. That's funny. You know, put cheese on it. Yeah, don't forget to turn the oven on would be the name of my cookbook. You know, things like, and mine, so I put it on the Facebook page as far as the question goes uh, for today. And, you know, with like my lean would, if I was really honest about what my cookbook name would be, mine would be uh, what to make before the wine runs out. <laughs> because like literally I'm like, well, I've got one glass of wine left in this bottle and I got to cook something. What can I make that's going to last for this
1: glass of wine? Mine would be freezer fines.
0: That somebody said that. <laughs> somebody said that. I love that somebody said that. I did then,
1: that last night. I had like three things of little frozen somethings, like some tomatoes, oh, that. some spinach, yeah. some rice. Yep. And I made a melange and then I just put cheese on it and we had it with steak and Kurt goes, Oh, what is this side? And I go, well, it's kind of a melange. He goes,
0: it tastes like a melange. A melange. Oh, my God. <laughs> a melange of a melange. cheese. A melange of cheese. I love that. I love Becky says, Keto schmido, give me all the carbs. Oh, <laughs> I like that. That is a cookbook worth buying. Um, I like Lori Bavers. I can't believe it's gluten-free. It isn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, c- like, I cook with wine and sometimes add it to my recipes. This is all so good. Uh, can it go in the instant pot? Yes. That's what Mary says. I love it. So anyway, we've got a really fun list going up on the, uh, the Facebook questions. that so you should go in and ask. Also, by the way, PS Jody Olson Reed of shepherd's way farm. Her cookbook is just called and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'm down for and cheese. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back. We have, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Cinco de Mayo and the derby stuff happening in town this weekend. We've got Beth Dooley coming in studio to chat uh, later in the show, we also have Dara is going to call in and talk about hot beef sandwiches, the commercial, which I'm excited about. And then we've got just a lot of other fun stuff for you. So stay tuned. This is The Weekly Dish. We'll be right back. We'll hey everybody, welcome back day. to my talk, 1071. This is The Weekly Dish. I am Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. And we are just happy to be here. <laughs> yes. It is absolutely the weirdest weekend on record, I think. I just think the fact that anytime you wrap up Cinco de Mayo... So you have a lot of the tequila heads out there. And then you have the Derby kids. Oh, my God. So much seersucker and floppy hats. And then, you know, drinking bourbon. And then you have the nerds in their Stormtrooper outfits. May the 4th be with you. Sadly lamenting the loss of Chewbacca. Peter Mayhew. R.I.P. Seriously. what What a towering talent, you know? He was uh I mean Chewbacca for all the movies, I guess, right? Yeah, not all of oh, them. Not all the of them. The beginning series and then um, these latest
1: one it was someone else. But okay. apparently very nice man, very sweet. Yeah. Um Uh, the guy who plays Han Solo, his name is um, Harrison Harrison Ford.
0: Ford. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, sometimes you have to get there backwards. I know, it is is still before 10 a.m. So He said really
1: nice things about him that he just was a wonderful human and that he so enjoyed playing with him.
0: That's really cool. So let's start with Cinco de Mayo, actually, because I think like, even though today is uh, not the 5th of May, the Cinco of the Mayo. It is a lot of people are doing a lot of parties today. And so we, I just want to talk, let's be clear on something first. Let's all agree that we understand Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican independence day. So when people say, Oh, it's like Mexican independence day. No, it's not. There is a Mexican independence day that happens in July. Yeah. So it's just, you know, remember that this is the celebration of, Uh, victory against a battle, the Puebla, Battle of Puebla against France. And that's wonderful, too. Most Mexicans don't really celebrate it like the Americans do, but that's okay too. I think it's a good way to celebrate spring. It's kind of an American tradition. It is. is. (laughs) I don't actually know how it started. I should read into that. But nonetheless, lots of good things happening around town. And, And plenty of Mexican areas are just sort of using it to celebrate Mexican heritage, which I'm down for. So the the number one place you want to go if you're really wanting to dig into uh, Cinco de Mayo is to go down to West Side in uh, St. Paul. And, you know, on Cesar, Cesar Chavez Drive, where El Burrito Mercado is, of course. And, you know, all the great, you know, there's a ton of great restaurants down there and a lot of family-run joints. And they are having a massive party today. I mean, from, I think, I think we missed the parade. I think maybe the parade is happening right now as we speak. So fun. I know, but they've got... You know, they've got food stands. They've got music stands. They'll be dancing, uh, live music, all car shows, the whole thing. Here's my favorite part of West Side um, uh, Cinco de Mayo. Are you ready? Yeah. La Lucha Libre. They have the Mexican wrestlers. Oh, okay. With the masks on and all the dramatics live. and all the flair and all the live wrestling of La Lucha Libre. That's And I fun. would totally go and grab and they've got a margarita and cerveza, uh, beer gardens and all the rest. And so go. You know, and the, go eat some elote behind El Burrito Mercado. Some of the corn. That's live music. Yeah. Um, Lots of good things for that. Yes. Um, for other things, Pajarito, uh, you know, we put that up on the Facebook page because they're friends of the show. Um, they are having a big party at, from 1 to 10 p.m. today. Rain or shine, but I think it's going to be gorgeous. Uh, live margarita or live, live margaritas. Live music. And live margaritas, slushy tacos, all the fun stuff. A little bit crazy. They are also doing some beers with Bad Weather Brewing. You know, they've got ice cream from Sweet Science. It's going to be a fun time over there, which is one of our favorite places. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like it. Um, and then the other one that I want to make sure to mention. Well, so uh, La Doña Cervecería mm-hmm. is a great Mexican brewery in northeast Minneapolis. Have you been there yet? Yes. Okay. Newer. Yeah. It's, it's only maybe a year old what I love, or it's a couple, it's maybe a year and a half. Um, what I love about them is they're having, uh, they're having this weekend, they're calling it infierno de Mayo. And I think that's fun because they don't, obviously they're very centered in Latin culture and they don't want to misrepresent, you know, they're, they're actually trying to celebrate Latin culture. So what they're saying is like, they've been partying all weekend already. And, uh today I know that they have uh a lot of soccer matches, football. They've got taco parties. They are doing uh salsa dancing tonight, which is fun. They're they're being a part of the Star Wars party though. Like they're doing May the 4th today and it's basically $50 prizes for best and worst costumes of Star Wars stuff, which I think is fun. Fun. Yeah. yeah. And then tomorrow. Does that, that's really interesting. Isn't, isn't that it? interesting?
1: That, so you'd think, like, oh, Cinco de Mayo, but because it's not rooted in their real traditions yeah. necessarily, they're. Doing a little bit, but...
0: But then on Sunday, which is actually Cinco de Mayo, they are doing something that I really love, that they're they're still having tacos and mango micheladas. I mean, they're still having fun. They've got the 3v3 Football League going on, which is in front of their thing. But then what they're doing is they're kind of doing this thing called no sombreros, no fake mustaches. Like, they don't want to characterize you know, Mexican and Latin culture. And so they're saying, let's do this. uh Let's do this thing where we talk about um, there. They have classic Latin movies playing it. They, it, the word is Latinx. I think Do you guys know, is it, La- I think it is. you call it Latinx. Yeah. 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 So, which is, they don't want to assign the O or the A on the back of it. They just want it. Like they want to take the gender out of it. Yep latino is a man latina is a is a woman huh. so they've so the the sort of the word that i think that they want people to use and i didn't want to say because i don't know if i've i didn't know if i was just saying it right but latinx is the way that they kind of uh want to go forward and they're, they're having a dj they're doing they're screening mi vida loca which is a great movie you guys to go see born in east la they've got a lot of great things going on so instead of it just being about put on your some <laughs> shake your maracas they're doing they're trying to respect their actual traditions which I really appreciate. So I want you to go see them if you can. Also, by the way, their lager beers are spectacular. Yeah, they have a new one that they're collaborating with Finnegan's, apparently. Yeah. Oh, God, I forgot completely about that, to put that in there. Okay. Also, just letting you know, if you're thinking about today and you're out in the Wayzata area, I mean, I will be at Baja House Am seeing the Taco and Tunes burrito eating contest. Oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> oh, what time will you be out there? Oh, God, I'm not even sure. I gotta call Billy and find out what when I'm supposed to be up and you know on, and kind of on the show. But like that's the deal, and that's a good time. You know what I mean? And the fun part about that is, right down the street is the Landing doing their Derby party. So it's gonna be. <laughs> Like, a mess of tequila and burrito situations happening on one side, and then down the land, down The, the street, classy hats. It's going to be classy hats and seersucker, <laughs> and it's going to be hysterical. Now, your sister's at the Derby. She is, yes. Is she uh, going to report
1: back? She will. It's raining out there today, and was raining yesterday. Um, she said that it just looks beautiful, that yeah. the flowers and oh, Kentucky. the houses, oh. and or excuse me, the hats and the... Outfits that people are wearing. Um, I'm a little disappointed in my sister. She last year stressed out over her outfit. She bought a dress and the hat. She wore the exact same thing this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, you cheapskate, she she want to buy lane. a new hat. Yeah. She knows her
0: lane, man. She felt good in it. I applaud her for She's that. Like, well,
1: I like, only wore it once, so I may as well wear it again. So that was kind of funny. That is pretty good. And yeah, just beautiful.
0: A tennis and for as far as events for that goes, you know, what I mean, the Derby is the, the actual race happens at like five forty-seven or fifty. It's like five forty-five or something. Two minutes. It's 2 minutes of sports. That's what we're talking about today. It goes fast. It goes fast. There's a horse that I have
1: $10 on to win place or show through the generosity of my sister's betting hand. Okay. Um called Champagne all day.
0: Oh. That's. I was like that was to designed something. to get the ladies' dollars. <laughs> Let yeah, me just totally. tell you what that was ingenious marketing right there. Yeah. So I was like, okay, put ten dollars on that. Win place or show. Win place or show. So That's like what could you how, win? Like how much could you? It depends on the odds. Yeah. You don't know. Maybe yeah.
1: you know anywhere from twenty to hundred bucks probably. Right.
0: Could be more, though. Could be more. Well, if you are looking for Derby fun today, definitely check out Betty Dangers. Of course, they have their derby Derbatant party, which is like a debutante party, which is sort of insanity. And I will tell you, I think that the costumes will be best there because people go crazy and glue like whole animals to their head. I'm just like, (laughs) that's fine. Go for it. You know what I mean? If you're going to go big, go big. Uh, And then, of course, the University Club, we have to shout out to our buddy uh, Todd walker who will be kind of hosting the is university he hosting club. It? yeah are you gonna it's your club are you going I, no
1: i the office there they were like are you coming i was like no i don't think so maybe <laughs> though
0: maybe i can't wait I to just see have so many things Todd and his little outfit oh, i mean he like he looks, looks so good he had a cute little plaid jacket on for easter and i was very
1: yeah his jacket was cute I know. um the Grand fundo for fulton beer is yeah. today oh you're that's and kurt's writing that's in the it, Grand so. fundo is today it is I feel like that snuck up on me. Yeah, everything snuck up on us. Here oh. we are. You know why? Because it's been so cold
0: the last two weeks. I know the poor Spring twins has still been happening, but the poor twins and the loons play tonight. That's true. It's like there's so. I mean, I mean the twins are number one in baseball, and they can't get more than like <laughs> three people there. I feel so horrible about that, but not horrible enough to go. They'll be all right. They'll be fine. <laughs> They're a bunch of millionaires running around a circle. Okay, anyway, be fine. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, you guys, when we come back. we have you just Beth- described
1: baseball as a bunch of millionaires running around in a circle? It's so true. Hysterical. It is true.
0: That is, that is the essence of the game. I'm there for it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. We have Beth Daly here. We'll be right back.
1: Welcome back to The Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, Steph March. And we are here with Beth Dooley, who is our guest, who has written yet another fabulous cookbook with her
2: co-author. Is it Mete? Meta? Meta. Meta. It's Meta. amazing. Um, yeah. we to have her on sometime. with Yeah, because you. Yeah,
1: you guys have worked on a lot of cookbooks together, we haven't collaborate you?
2: collaborate really well. She's lovely. And then our food stylist, Abby Wyckoff, is amazing. So it's really fun. It's a team thing. I like it. Yeah. Uh, how
1: many cookbooks have you written now, Beth?
2: Um. Well, the ones I've participated in, some of them I've done on my own and some of them I've done with other people, Uh huh. about 10.
1: Oh, that's yeah. a lot.
2: <laughs> uh, this
0: Great
1: cookbook date. is called Sweet Nature, A
2: Cook's Guide to Using
1: Honey and Maple Syrup. We have yeah. such a rich tradition of honey and maple syrup um, in Minnesota. What was it that you decided that now was the time to write that particular book.
2: Well, you know, we sort of led up to it. I mean, Meta and I began, the first book we worked on together was the Farmer's Market Cookbook. Uh And that was so much fun. And we realized at that point how well we worked together. And then... Because Meta's such a good grower. She has her backyard is like a total edible garden. I want to see her. I heard you talking about it. Her place is amazing. And then I'm like a ridiculous farmer's market shopper. We thought, okay, so now we need to tell people what to do when they've bought too much stuff or they've grown too much stuff. Which is why we did um, Savory Sweet, which is a cook's guide to... Preserving, right? I'm f-
1: I, That book is in my bag to go up to the cabin because <laughs> oh, we are going to be gardeners this summer. We have a huge garden we're starting.
2: Yay! And oh.
1: I said to my husband, like, you grow the food yeah. and then I will make stuff with the food with this particular book.
2: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I yeah. love hearing that. That's great. That's great. And so then that just sort of, that was a natural progression because we realized that in all of the condiments we were making and all the baking we were doing, we were trying to cut back on white sugar. Right. And we were also looking to see what what grows here? What are the sweeteners here? Well, honey and maple syrup. And so we started to get really interested in using those instead of using white sugar, Yeah, not only as a sweetener, but also as a condiment. Yeah. Because you guys know that anything that's sweet or that has these different sort of nuanced flavors really brightens a dish. So we wanted to sort of call that out to people as well.
1: So you brought um, some honeys here today. Obviously, we have a lot of uh, wonderful honey farmers in the Twin Cities Um, I just, I'm going to mention Ames Farms, but I know Bear Honey does this, like there's lots of...
2: Bear Honey does this, Bees Knees knees. is amazing, I love Bees Knees. I mean, what's really fun is that, you know, I mean, I know you guys have talked about a taste of place, but honey really reflects a taste of place, right? You can, yeah, and and Ames Farm, you know, they have hives out by,
0: you know, they have hives like like probably like 10 minutes from my house. Right. You know, so like I kind of feel like when I buy the Watertown honey, I drive on Watertown Road, you know. And so like
2: that to me is like that's a specific thing that I get to have this honey taste like my home. Exactly. That's exactly right. The other really fun thing is and again, this is anecdotal information, but we're now beginning to collect the science to back it up. People that have allergies this time of year swear Mm -hmm. that if they eat the honey that comes from their region, they feel much better. Yeah. So it's just I mean if nothing else it tastes good right
1: And you're supposed to just do like a teaspoon a day right Yeah
2: mm-hmm. Yeah exactly Yeah Cuz
1: yeah. you get exposed to the allergens the theory is a little bit at a time and you build up sort of an immunity to it
2: That's exactly right That's right Um you've got
1: we're now seeing like different kinds of honey like not just one kind but from different flowers from different um you mentioned the um what is the buckwheat Yes thank you mm-hmm. the buckwheat honey that Ames Farm has that's really dark. I yes. made that in an old fashioned recipe when I was working on that Ubecha Box project. Different honeys taste really different.
2: They do. They really do, and that's the fun of it: is go to the farmers' markets because a lot of our honey producers are there, or to the food co-ops. A lot of them are there showcasing their different varietals. Yeah, and so the honey is going to reflect the flowers that the bees have been eating, um, which you know. And there's also a season to honey. So right now, dandelion. We're starting to see dandelion honey, which is delicious, but yeah. it tastes a little bit like dandelions, yeah, right? It does. I mean, it's sweet, but it's mm-hmm. got that sort of bitter finish to it. And then um, one of my favorite. Favorites is locust honey, which comes from the locust flower. It's very delicate and mm-hmm. really light. What would you
0: use
1: the locust honey on? You
2: know, I would use it just in things where you can really taste it. So maybe just drizzle it over a scone or maybe just even um, over a little bit of very light yogurt mm-hmm. so you can taste those flavors coming through. And the thing about these honeys, about the different varietals, is that those are raw honeys because mm-hmm. once you heat honey, which you lose the different nuanced flavors then that to me is a different purpose, honey that's the honey you use for cooking with or for baking with. Because it's
1: already been heated. It's and, already been yeah.
2: heated and it's going to be less expensive. So these honeys are more sort of the specialty honeys. Yeah, exactly. if you want to think
0: these are like your fruity, you know, first press olive oils. Right. Versus exactly the right. third pressing that's, you know, past, it's like that's already done. That's and that's exactly what you cook right. with. So yep. these are, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think what's fun is actually just what I just did, which is you take a little bit of these little pots of Ames Farm honey and you or whoever, and you kind of line them up and you do the tasting. Yeah. Like you taste Dutch clover against sweet clover yes. against dandelion against buckwheat. And you have that's the way that you start to understand the flavor nuances.
2: Exactly. That's exactly right. And it's fun because then when you're driving by these flowers, right, are yeah. you going back to your house? Yeah. You see these flowers. and You go, oh, that's <laughs> the <laughs> taste of those flowers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Uh, What were were there some when you were developing the recipes for the book, because the book features recipes with honey and also recipes with maple syrup. And I think this is a great gift book. uh, Also, because if you're trying to give something from this region to pair it with some honey or some maple syrup from this region would be really nice and fun gift. Um, were there some recipes that the honey like worked better than you thought or that were surprising to you?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, where they worked really well is where we looked at how those flavors of the honey might balance something or bring. Because, again, these honeys are flavors. They're not just sweeteners. Yep. And that's what differentiates both honey and maple syrup from white sugar is that it has a flavor. And so in my mind, you use less of it. So there were a couple of things, like um, there's an oatmeal, a baked oatmeal where we use it, and it just comes in at the very end, so it doesn't get heated, and you can taste the honey in that. Oh. So that's really yeah. nice. Um, the other thing I love is that uh, with maple syrup, for instance, there are some maple producers that are doing some interesting things. You mentioned the old-fashioned, uh-huh. right? Um, there's a maple <laughs> maple producer who is um, taking bourbon barrels— Storing the maple syrup in it for a year, right? So the maple syrup absorbs the flavor of that bourbon. And then once they tap the maple syrup off, that barrel goes off to a beer maker and they make a maple bourbon stout, right? Yeah. And so, you know, there are all these things. So try. Is that be trees? Yes, yes, exactly. That They're maple wonderful. syrup is great. It's really great. And so that maple syrup I wouldn't use that necessarily in baking or cooking. I would use that for an old fashioned or I'd use it to drizzle it over vanilla ice cream or Mm -hmm. something like that. It's really a flavor of it's, you know, it's a food unto itself.
1: Right. Um, My husband is a very finely tuned machine (laughs) and uh, he was having trouble sleeping and he realized he'd been making his own simple syrup for old fashions with oranges. And he realized that he was really eating a lot of sugar kind of right before bedtime yeah, and it was giving him the leg jitters. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to convince him. I'm like, just swap out, use maple syrup instead. There's not as much concentration of sugar as a simple syrup.
2: You know, that's a really good idea because actually maple syrup has a lower glycemic index. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's more, it it affects your body differently. Exactly right. We absorb it differently. Yeah. The other nice thing is I've been using a lot of, if you want to get into baked goods, if you want to cut back on the the, um, sweet and bake things like brownies or pound cakes or things... The uh, maple sugar is a fabulous substitute and it's really easy to work with because you're just substituting one to one. Right. And it's great. And again, you get that nice sort of maple flavor. It's not too dominant. Right. But it still adds just another level of flavor. And because of that, I find that I can cut back on the amount of sugar in baking recipes by about a quarter of a cup.
0: I do that too. Where do you find the maple sugar?
2: They have it in bins in the co-ops. Okay. Yeah, you can buy it in bulk. Mm-hmm. It's not that expensive. It's more than white sugar, but you can also get it at farmer's markets. Okay.
0: And if you think, I think like sometimes if you're doing, you know, per project, if you're just mm-hmm. going to go get, you know, if you're buying flour for a project, then you just go buy a little bit of maple sugar too, along with it. So that, so that you don't have to necessarily have it stored and it right. gets, you know, you have to worry about it, not right. worry about it, but you know what I mean? Sometimes the clumping and yeah, everything yeah. else gets yeah, a little bit yeah, wonky.
2: Yeah. And it is, I mean, it, you know, again, it's it's not a terribly refined product. Right. So if you find that it's too clumpy or it's sometimes it's too granular, I found. Yeah. Put it in the cuisinart and just grind. Oh it yeah, up. that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah.
1: I just want to rub that on some salmon. <laughs> it's
2: really well, actually we have a recipe in the book about that. Okay. Yeah, we have a maple sounds... cured salmon. Yeah. yeah. Yum. Yeah, All right. Yeah.
1: It's the cookbook is Sweet Nature, a cook's guide to using honey and maple syrup. Our guest is Beth Julie, and we'll have to have you back on to talk about farmers markets. I'd love to. You're that. our farmers market queen. Thanks for awesome. coming in.
0: Thank you. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Hey, guess what? It's this Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So if you want to give us a call, 651-641-1071, or you can hit us up on the Twitters or on the Facebooks and everything else. We'll try to get all your answers or your questions answered. We have Brian on the line. Hi, Hi. Brian. What's up, Brian? Um, well, we've got Kentucky Derby. Yep. Cinco de Mayo. Is there a tequila mint julep? Uh, I mean, I think you can go ahead and do that. (laughs) There are no real (laughs) rules about that. I think if you put tequila with mint and a little bit of, uh, you know, some sour, I would be down for that. That's kind of like a little minty margarita. So ever so often, Kentucky, or May 5th is on a Saturday. Last year it was, I believe.
1: Yeah. Here you go, friend. They say that you can muddle pineapple and mint leaves, and then you fill the cup with crushed ice and stir with tequila lime juice and a little agave or honey and pour over the ice that sounds good that's it yeah down. delicious
0: all right have fun brian i mean honestly that is a good thing well and i why not you know yeah i mean the thing about uh well if you think about there's you know there are some bourbons that are s- kind of smoky you know if they if they if they decide to you know do some smoked stuff to it and so why wouldn't you use like mezcal I would do mezcal and mint. You could. That would be a smoky mint situation. Pineapple, mint, julep, margarita Uh, sounds delicious. By the
1: way, have you had like a real, I'm sure you have, like a, what do they call it? The mint julep?
0: What what are you Have you had one? Okay. Do I breathe air? I don't know. I know. This is a strange there, question to ask me after twelve years. I didn't like it. You well, you don't like whiskey. I and I wanted. Can we to get like to it? the point where we understand that that's? Th- I mean, like you've tried a lot, and I'm getting because I just don't know why you wouldn't like one that is actually the julep is a kind of a watery minty. It's kind of an easy like beginner's. I bourbon. know, and
1: I didn't like it, and I th- I wanted to bad.
0: What didn't you like about it? Um. Because it's just mint probably and whiskey, bourbon. That's what I'm saying. Like that's the thing. When it's kind of essential, you don't. You may like an old fashioned if it's got a lot of like flavors and sweetnesses yeah. to it. But when it's basically whiskey and mint, you're probably that. I was like, meh. Yeah, it's such a gig. I that's do okay. like the
1: crushed ice part, though.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the best julep in town has always been at Butcher and the Boar. And so I love them. And I know that they're having a party today, you know, just a a derby party. So that's a fun place to go. Uh, We got a couple questions, but again, if you guys want to call in 651-641-1071, we are opening. Brian broke the seal. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Um, So here we have someone who is looking for, uh, I'm organizing a sing, a girl's day out in Waconia in a couple of weeks. Any suggestions for a place to do a fun lunch? I, uh, I looked, did you have to Google that? I did.
1: But I knew that Lola's was out there. I was
0: impressed with you. I was going to review your.
1: My. Yes. I knew that Lola's was out there. So I had that. But then I was like, oh, what else? And there's a place, a brewery out there called
0: the Iron Tap. It's not a brewery, but it's a it's a it's a pub. Okay. Yeah. That but has
1: thirty two beers on tap. Yeah. And I thought that might be a fun place to start. There
0: is a brewery across the street from it called the Baconia Brewing Company. See. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> but also I would say uh, you could also go to Sovereign Estates, you know, which is the winery out there. And what's great about them is that they have a kitchen. So you can get pizzas and you can sit Yum. among the vines. If you're doing a girls' day out. That's kind of what Waconia girls do. They, they hit like, and you can go to Shram vineyards, play bocce and, and, do that how far is waconia from the twin cities well i mean it's it's not that far i mean it's about probably 40 minutes okay it's only like maybe 15 20 minutes for me it's like 20 minutes for me and i'm on the west side okay so if you're on the west side it's pretty close if you're on the east side it's like it's like me going to Stillwater, basically yep so that's kind of the deal i think about it but yeah lots of great stuff here's the other fun thing about sovereign estate they are importing um they're bringing in goats to manage the buckthorn. I like so that. just hanging out, there'll be little goats running around eating the grass and the buckthorn. I that's think that's cool. fun. Um, this question made
1: me laugh. She said, is there a chance, this is from Mary, is there a chance that we can make jerky in an instant pot so we both can get <laughs> something we want? My husband has been wanting to make jerky and get a dehydrator, but I've been wanting to get an instant pot and we don't really have a lot of room for more gadgets. <laughs> If it's not possible, is there a recommendation that you have for a good dehydrator? I did find some jerky recipes um, for the dehydrator. Does that work just as well? Did you Thank research you for any this? Advice.
0: Did you look it up? I mean, the Instant Pot is pressure cooking. That's You're
1: not going to make jerky with a pressure cooker because it's
0: moist heat. So <laughs> that's not going to dry things out. That's what jerky is—is is dried out. So, so if he wants the jerky and you want the Instant
1: Pot you're going to have to come to some sort of compromise. Yeah.
0: I mean, but here's what I think. If you have an oven, you can dehydrate. Like that's kind of the deal. That's right. So you don't, you, just, you don't need a dehydrator. You dehydrator. just need the instant pot. Yeah. The instant pot cures a bunch of ills and ails, you know, and I think dehydrator, you can definitely, I mean, it definitely is a long process and you're going to have your oven on all day. And, but it's at 200 or maybe lower so that it's a different sort of setting. So it won't be so hot. I don't know. I just, I would rather go instant pot, but just call us <laughs> bias. Let's yes. be honest about that. Um, yeah. There's, I think that also someone was asking about uh, suggestions for the instant pot cookbook suitable for beginners as well as picky eaters. And we always say Melissa Clark's dinner in an instant is the best way to start. Yeah.
1: I think that's a great cookbook. It's comfort food. It's not too complicated. Mm-hmm. 651-641-1071 if you want to call in and ask us any questions. We are here for
0: you. Right. Um, okay, we have another one about dinner, saying, I need restaurant dinner ideas for Saturday, May 25th uh, for seven people. I'd like to go to dinner after my daughter's dance performance, which will end between 3 and 4 at the Kohl Center, downtown Minneapolis. Um, so this was a okay. So we can go Northeast, North loop, wherever really we live in Richfield. So we don't want to head to Minnetonka. <laughs> I was hoping for a young Joni, but 30 days out, we could only get a reservation at 11 PM. That happens. <laughs> um, it's a mix of adults, grandkids, and a 12 year old kid who likes food. Um, and then she's going to be 50 in May 27th and was hoping for something with great food to drink and celebrate me too. Oh, well, that's very sweet. Um, okay. So seven people, May 25th, downtown Minneapolis, I mean, if you're saying... Or North Loop. Yeah, and it's but I mean, it's like uh, 5 p.m. She's like, if her dance will end between 3 and 4, that's kind of early. Uh-huh. I would think you'd be able to get in in places and maybe they won't hold you. I mean, I would say that if you really want to try Young Joni, you could probably go. I would call them. I would actually call them and say, hey, this is our situation. We will be there right at 5. We'll be there when the door opens up. Can we have seven people? They might do that for you.
1: Yeah, because they might hold some spaces. And don't
0: look online. Like, call them and talk to them. Yeah. Because they do hold spaces for walk-ins. And they may say, you can try it. You know, you can kind of roll the dice. And you can if you want to. But if you're looking for something a little bit more solid. I think, too, for North Loop, um,
1: a kind of elevated, fun experience that is really sophisticated and nice would be Burrow. Yeah. Um, Also, if you want something a little more casual,
0: NOLO. Nolo's kitchen. Yep,
1: mm-hmm. it's great. They have a, a fish sandwich there that is pressed fish. That I sounds weird, but I still think about it. It's so good.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, or I
0: mean, you can do red rabbit. That would be a great idea. Yeah. You know, because you
1: can have a lot. There's a lot of different. Uh, uh, I had that cavatelli the other day. Yeah. Again, just oh, that delicious homemade sausage and, they and have sage.
0: A lovely patio mm-hmm. which would be a nice place to go sit and that has grandparents a bit you know what I mean you can do pizzas and pastas and salads and stuff like that that's a really good option too
1: the Monte Carlo has that huge patio open now too oh
0: god the Monte Carlo is so great with the dry
1: rubbed wings I would and say and they've got a top. salmon salad that's like a poached salmon with a cucumber relish that I just love
0: okay good deal we got Lori on the line hey Hi, Lori. Lori what's going on Hi, um, after listening
1: to you talk about the black sesame paste, I got some, Yay! and I dipped my
2: finger in it and really like it, but now I can't remember all the things you talked about doing, Okay. aside from spreading it on toast, and I saw your Instagram post recently where you used it with garlic and marinated steak, or yeah. do you have any recipes um, posted
0: anywhere or other ideas of what to do with it? I am going to post that recipe after when we talk about it, because I am going to talk about it in Top 2 in Hour 2. But I will say, yeah, I will say that that is one of the things that I've just been playing with it. And, you know, it's kind of sticky, right? Yeah. So what I've been doing is sort of when I need it for things, I thin it out. Here's my latest thing that I'm doing. I'm going to perfect this a little bit, maybe tonight even, is I kind of uh, I was kind of sauteing it with a lot of like foamy brown butter. And then yum. putting the garlic in there and so like on your saute pan, you want to like stir it around so that it kind of thins out and, and kind of works together. And then uh-huh. I threw a bunch of chives in with it and then um, I dumped some pasta and tossed the pasta in it. Ooh, so yum. I know. And so that's going to be a really great way to kind of because it does because it's sticky, it kind of thin, it kind of threads a little bit. So uh-huh. you kind of got to heat it and get a fat in with it to make it a little bit more smooth awesome but that's my tip but the other thing is seriously any steak I don't know how I'm going to go back now because all I want to do is put I put a little olive oil crushed garlic and then I spread it over that hanger steak and I let Uh it sit in the fridge for two hours it was great yum very good all right good luck Lori okay thank you thank you all right guys that's I'm not kidding we're going to talk a little bit more about some fish sauce in your pasta too so we will be right back this is a weekly dish thanks for hanging with us today stay tuned for a good second hour